Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of The Walk. You can hear the bells of the tower of St. Joseph's Church. It is already dark outside, and there's a slight drizzle, and it's a bit misty as well. It's a, a bit of a cold, damp, autumn evening. It's six o'clock. The church is uh, brightly lit. We have these new spotlights that they installed about a year ago. So this used to be a very dark church. It's uh, in a, also in a pretty dark corner of the village, um, surrounded by tall trees. Um, there is also a small park in front of the church with uh, some bushes. and So you, can't, you couldn't really see the church that much at night. There are actually only, there's only one lantern uh, on the street opposite of the church. And so uh, about a year ago, the local village uh, committee uh, has sponsored two, two or three big lights that shine on the tower until midnight. And I have to say, it is a huge improvement, especially in these dark uh, autumn and, and winter nights. Now that the uh, sun goes down very early, it's, it's nice to have a bright spot and... In my case, I, I, I think it's even more special that that bright spot is the church. <laughs> I'm uh, going to uh, the uh, neighboring um, shopping center to get some groceries for the weekend. And uh, then I'm going to cook some food and maybe record a few you know, the both of the podcasts that I normally do, if I have energy, which I didn't have that much today. And I didn't have much energy yesterday either. It's still um, the, the, the result of, of my COVID-19 infection, and I'm still not recovered, even though definitely a lot better than I was a couple of weeks ago. I look better, maybe on the outside, more rested. But on the inside, it's a whole different story. And uh, it's a bit treacherous also because it's very unpredictable. There are days that I can do a lot, but then the recovery time of that is huge. So when people encounter me on a day where I'm just at work filming and running around with my tripods and cameras, they really can't tell. That, uh, that I'm still in recovery. But I notice it the day after and then usually two more days afterwards. Which leads me to believe that I think I am doing way too much. I'm, uh, I, I was mistaken about my own progress. And even though I feel slightly better, it doesn't mean that my body is back to its former state. Quite on the contrary, I think it is actually getting worse um i've i've more uh, days that i'm super fatigued and it's not just physical um energy that i lack but also um the 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 ability to cope with things so uh it it seems that there is only a little bit that's necessary to uh, to create a panic or (laughs) to create um like high blood tension, blood pressure rising, even though I, I didn't measure it, but I sometimes feel like I'm 
way more upset about certain things than I than I would be in uh, in 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 a normal situation. And apparently, that's all part of the deal. Though those are all symptoms that can be uh, linked to uh, this COVID recovery phase. So it can be lots of physical issues. It can be memory problems, uh, the inability to formulate your thoughts. I don't don't notice that much pro- that many problems. Uh, I do have trouble, of course, sometimes um, formulating anything when I'm tired. But uh, I don't think so far that that I've not I've not noticed any uh, mental uh, consequences of the of the uh, sickness. Although that also you know there are many people that that report problems on that level. Um, and then there's this kind of emotional resistance, the, <laughs> the ability, as I said, to to kind of put things in context and. Uh, it, it, I, especially this week was tough. It's really tough. The, um, the, the first thing that I, that I struggle with is the, the fact that I'm not making much progress. <laughs> I'm not getting any fitter. Um, I'm tired and yet I want to do more and I'm like frustrated that I can't. <laughs> and I'm also impatient with uh, the process and with myself. I'm not really allowing myself to to uh, to do nothing, to rest more, to sleep more. I feel this constant pressure to uh, to push my limits, as I've often done in the past, trying to do a lot. And sometimes, in especially in the on the level of sports or anything in the world, uh, when training for a marathon the, the trick is to always push yourself a little bit beyond your current um, level so that you develop strength but I think in this phase that that um, habit that I've de- developed over the years to to sometimes ignore a little bit of the pain just to, to push myself further and and develop stamina maybe that is now actually having a boomerang effect on me because I've been pushing myself too hard too quickly uh, and not allowing my the so I, I read uh, in an article about exactly this problem that it is the imbalance between the uh, the pressure you put on yourself and the ability to cope with that pressure uh, normally it's, it's not you know putting some pressure on yourself or pushing yourself that's not a bad thing but it is if, if you're unable to uh, to cope with that extra extra effort that you ask of yourself, and well, getting to it's kind of, I have to get reacquainted with with the way I currently function, and dealing with that you know learning process and that taking time that is what frustrated me. <laughs> like, come on, I want to be back to my former self. I so and I, I I don't know. I'm just impatient with myself. The uh, second level is uh, or, that I'm coping with is uh, also not, because I can't work as much as I normally do. I sometimes get this anxiety that I'm not doing enough, <laughs> uh, and then the old friend, the could have, should have, would have friend pops up, uh, and I get this internal 
dialogue where I was like, well, but you should do this and you wanted to do that. And, and uh, in some cases, I, I really have to stop myself and think, you know what I do right now? is enough. It's it's good enough. And it doesn't mean that I will always be limited to this kind of um, output. But right now, I need to slow down and I need to just let go of all these other things that you normally would have done because this is not a normal situation. The third level on which I am struggling and really had a hard time, and this maybe was the, the toughest thing, to cope with this week was a setback and uh, some reactions of people that I did not uh, well in a certain way I kind of expected things to go the way they went but being an optimistic positive (laughs) entrepreneur I'm always a bit you know shocked when when um, well well, when things don't go the way they would go if I were in charge I don't know how to put it. It's, sometimes I'm, I'm expecting people to be like me, <laughs> to think like me, to react like me. And, well, sometimes when they don't, I get very hurt by that and frustrated. And I struggle uh, with this, this incongruence. It's like, well, well, but it's so obvious what should be done. And it's, it, why? Why do, don't people understand that? When are they going to change? And... You know, questions like that. Who, who did this to me? Who is to blame for this? And it's, 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 it's really um, hard when you don't have that much energy to counterbalance that with another attitude. Which I think is the only thing you can do oftentimes but you can't because you can't always uh direct how people uh what people do you can't always um you can't always shape the situation to match your expectations sometimes you just have to deal with uh uh, the reality that pushes back and people that are just different from you and act sometimes in unexpected ways and Questions like, but why? Why do they do that to me? Why can't they see what I see? When is this finally going to change? Who can... (laughs) It's... it's, I don't know. It's hard. And then I read this book this morning. While playing video games. (laughs) One of the things that I do when, I, when I'm tired and I can't really go to bed or I don't want to because I, I, I just woke up, um, in, in order to still kind of relax my brain, I, get, I just play a video game. Very simple one, not, not very challenging or stressful. And uh, the, uh, while I'm playing that game, I, I listen to an audiobook in the, in the background on, on my iPad. And this morning I was listening to a book that I browsed. It was kind of the recommended section of the, of the app that I'm subscribed to. That was called, uh, in, in English, The Question Beyond the Question. It was in a category of books that make you think. 
was like, well, you know what? I'm already thinking about a lot of stuff and I'm frustrated. I could use some, you know, positivity and maybe some guidance. And I, uh, I'm just going to listen to this, this book. And wow, was it providential <laughs> that I, that I, uh, that I stumbled upon this, this book. It's not, it's not a very interesting, captivating book because it repeats the, the, the core message over and over again, but it does it with a lot of examples. And even, the, even though in itself, you know, would I buy this book? You could probably learn the lessons in the book by just reading the cover because it's very simple. But the repetition of this principle and the, all the different illustrations and examples helped me to uh, apply them to my current situation and, and also to rethink certain things. So definitely a book that made me think. Let me go to the core message of the, of the, the question beyond the question. It starts with a, describing what most people react to when they're frustrated by a certain situation, just like I was at that time had some difficult conversations and things are, are for me in an unexpected way not going the way I hoped they would go and uh, and so I was blaming everyone and I felt very you know misunderstood and frustrated and and I was well the questions that I just repeated there like why don't people see what I see and why do they do what they do and when is this going to change? And who is to blame for this situation? The book starts exactly with those questions. And then concluding, those questions get you nowhere. What happens if you, when you ask those questions is you're looking for someone to blame, for a situation to blame, and you see yourself as a victim. Now, I, I am very familiar with that process because I see it in other people. I see it when people complain to me and they're like, oh, but I, you know, why can't, why can't this be different? And the same, you know, why, when, who. Uh, the, 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 the victim mentality is something that you see often. In, 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 you know, but I didn't see it in myself that much. But this book was like, oh my gosh, those questions are exactly the same questions that I asked myself for... For, for a day now and that I'm super frustrated with and uh, even cause the, uh, insomnia right now because <laughs> I'm struggling with the situation and, and I keep feeling sorry for myself I keep blaming other people I keep blaming the situation and I'm asking myself how did this come about <laughs> and uh, why doesn't this change and then the book kind of turns it around and says, those are the wrong questions. The, the, you often can't change other people, even though that's something that we often try to do. We try, we try to try every homily that I do in church. I do that with the hope that I can change people. But I am not the one who's changing them, that they can only change themselves. What I can do is facilitate that and maybe offer them some insights, but they have to make the changes. I can't make them... F- for them and I know this because this has been my basic principle for my whole media work since I started podcasting I was always when people ask me do you do this as a priest because you want to convert people I was like, no absolutely not how can I do that 
Nobody can convert other people. The, the only thing you hope is to give people sometimes another perspective or you, you explain something or you share your own experiences so that it inspires them to change something in their life or in their own relationship with others or with God. And that's all I can do. But I cannot... You know, that's why I, I, I always am very... I try to be very open-minded when someone is not like me doesn't think what I think, doesn't believe what I believe, then, you know, that person can still change. It's not my job to do that, and it's not my responsibility. And I can't blame that person for, you know, not being ready yet. And it's so funny that I see that very clearly when it comes to the, my interaction with, uh, with the people that follow me through my podcast or on YouTube or on TV. But I fail to apply that when I feel that I am involved in the, in the problem and that, 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 that you know, things are not going my way. Then all of a sudden it's everybody's fault except for my fault. And um, the book says those questions, the, you know, why does this happen? When is this going to change? Who can I blame? Are just making the situation worse. The questions you should ask should contain a few other words. And that is what and how. And it has to include you. The question you ask yourself is not, why do others do this to me? When is the situation going to change? But it is, what can I do to improve the situation? What is in my control? So that's the, the what. And the how is really important. How can I um, proceed? How can I... Uh, improve what I see how can I help and it all has to do with letting go of that desire that we always is our, you know it's our initial self-defense it's by pushing the situation away and by by feeling sorry for ourselves and that's okay because it's very natural the, the reason that that book was written is probably because it's a universal thing that we all struggle with from time to time that what, what matters is not that you have those feelings of self-pity and being a victim and but it's bad if you don't get to the next step and then and that is to rethink the question and reformulate the question to yourself uh, because nobody's gonna gonna change just because you blame them for having hurt you or, or wondering why this is happening. But what does often change your life is if you ask yourself, but given the situation, and that, that requires acceptance, which is kind of hard because sometimes difficulties and frustrations are also a form of mourning. And it's like M-O-U-R, <laughs> it's a mourning, uh, because... Well, something you, you hoped would live dies, right? So we, we struggle with that. But then the next step is, well, well, what can I do about it? Or what can I do, given the situation, to improve my own life, to improve other people's lives, to help someone, even someone who I may not understand? Instead of trying to force that people into my perspective... And getting frustrated because people often don't like that when they're coerced into uh, changing their ways. It's more like, well, well, what can I do to put myself in their situation, try to understand 
and then use that understanding of the other person and what motivates that other person to help them and maybe even thereby also help myself. And I, that was, it was so simple, but so eye-opening and powerful. And uh, I, I immediately, of course, had to think about what happened to me and why I'd been losing sleep over certain things that happened. It was like, it helped me to understand that at least, even though the, the, the situation right now, objectively, is not something I'm happy about, and I have good reasons not to be happy about it, and I have good reasons to be critical towards uh, some people, but it, that doesn't solve anything. And being frustrated about it and lying awake in bed, just thinking this over and blaming everyone and feeling sorry for myself is only making things worse. It's definitely making me unhappy. So, then the next step for me is going to be, but, but what can I do to make it better? What, can, what is in my reach? And then you start to think creatively because then you, you don't look at what is impossible, but you look at well, what can I do and what are the options? Um, this, is, this is really an important insight for me to determine the future, to, 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 to try to dis, uh, distinguish or, um, how do you say that, to uh, uh, discern what, what my next steps are going to be, what, you know, what I'm going to do in the short term and long term. But those questions, uh, the question of, you know, okay, what to do should be based on, well, well what can I do? Um, and I'm, I'm currently in the process of, of kind of working that out and thinking about the, uh, the, the things that I, my ideals and the things I want to realize and, uh, and also reflecting a lot of, on my fears and, and uh, feelings of anxiety sometimes. And I, I realized this morning while playing that video game, listening to that audio book, that I was often um, asking these same questions over and over again. When will I finally be able to do this or that? Or why don't I succeed in realizing what I, well, <laughs> my projects and ambitions? And why did I get COVID-19, which set me back for so many weeks and still causing so many problems? Uh, it's, it's all about think about okay but what and that require what can I do what do I want to do and, and uh, that question of well, why am I afraid for me the answer to that question is because I'm asking the wrong questions I'm asking the world and other people to change and, and, and if they don't that makes me afraid but instead there is there so much that I can do even if they're little things, and they may not change the entire picture, but I can still feel proud of them. And little accomplishments are also important and do a lot to get rid of fear. It's like a child that, that first learns to do something that he or she is actually scared of. You know, that first time that you jump into the water of the swimming pool, even though, you know, it's, 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 <laughs> there's only a few inches of water, but it scares you because it's new and it's... Uh, well, 
that first step when the swimming teacher is encouraging you, saying, good job, and now try to do this and that. These little things is what keeps you going, right? And so uh, instead of, of always looking at the, the big, super big picture, so where is the, what is the next biggest thing that I want to do, uh, I feel that, that I, I should not ignore the, the small steps that I can take. And, well, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. That idea. It's, it's, uh, you, can, you can do impossible things by doing a lot of little things very well. And then oftentimes those little things that in itself don't seem to change that much, if you add them all up, they will make a huge difference. And add to that time, which is a gift and not just a curse... You know, I don't have time for this. And why? I wanted to have accomplished this or that. But time can also be a gift because you, you have time to get there. <laughs> Not everything has to be realized at once. You can take your time. Success is like these big breakthroughs, whether it is in, in the media or on TikTok or YouTube or in, in, in business. I mean... Almost n- never are those big successes just these sudden events. The, what you don't see is all these small steps that t- sometimes a person has been do- doing for years and years, practicing, improving, evaluating, r- trying again, adjusting the, the course of action. All that leads sometimes to a big breakthrough. And... Uh, and, and then in, in the same process, I've made someone super, probably super happy to be in that process. So it's, it's not just the final result that matters. It's also the, well, it sounds cliche, but the journey towards these big things may be just as fascinating. If you, if you never get to realize world peace or, you know, an end to hunger in the world. But these, these small acts of charity, these little accomplishments can make you super happy and can make a difference for Maybe for a few people, but that's better than nothing. It's better than being po- uh, paralyzed by these, these frustrations of, you know, when is the world finally going to have world peace and an end to hunger? Why can't it be Christmas every day? That, those are the wrong questions. What can I do to create peace in myself and in my relationship, at work, in my mind? What can I do to... Make it a little bit Christmassy every day. <laughs> Those little things. That's what, what, what life is, is built off. It's like Lego. You know, Hogwarts Castle consists of 6,000 and more pieces that you, with a lot of patience and a lot of time, put together. And then the end result is like, wow, that looks so awesome. But all you, you, you tend to forget the, all the previous steps. Um, so th- this was, a, I think, a good... Um, this is a good time to think about the next year and about my own plans and my own future. There are a lot of things that I currently can't control. Uh, to give you just an example, um, the, the TV show that I really enjoyed making this, this past uh, uh, season, and I think I succeeded pretty well. I'm super proud, especially because like half of the season was produced while I was struggling with covid and, and, and still is in production. And, and so I've, I've, you know, it's it maybe not perfect work, 
but it's pretty darn good for someone who has been under so much, uh, you know, had to go through so much. So I allow myself to be proud of what I've accomplished, and I get, I take pride of that. It makes me happy that it's been, you know, so good, and that I've been able to to meet so many interesting people and tell these stories, which otherwise would have never been told. Um, but I'm not sure if that program will still be around uh, next year. I know that I have to make 15 more episodes for first half, but, you know, I'm getting some strong indications that maybe after the summer that will be the end of it. And so, of course, since that is one of my sources of, or one of, not my source, but it's, it's one of the uh, streams of, of uh, income for, uh, for Tradio that makes it possible to do this work, I'll, I'd like to kind of think ahead. Um, so what, if that is going to happen, what can I do then? What's going to be my next project? And, you know, I could, sometimes I read these uh, interviews with uh, former TV stars or presenters. And especially if they're no longer on TV, you often get the same kind of story. Like, I can't believe that they just dropped me like that and forgot about me. I've been on TV for, for 20 years and I was, everybody was talking about me. And now nobody recognizes me in the street anymore. I'm never invited to do any work anymore. And I feel so sorry about myself. And why? Why don't they see my talent? You know what? It's the same problem. And it's like, whoa, I have to be really careful not to, not to become one of those people. Um, because eventually everything is going to end. Like in the most, most perfect situation will, in time, something that you have to let go and hand back to, to, uh, to the one who created you. And so you have to leave everything behind anyway. So better think ahead and, and instead of just cutting something loose and stepping back from something, sometimes anger can make that or frustration can make us walk away. And like, I don't want to have anything to do with that anymore. That, that's something I've been thinking a lot sometimes when I bump into inflexible people or inflexible situations like oh forget it i'm not just they're not worth it and i'm ah, fed up with it and whatever (laughs) i'm unsubscribing (laughs) but of course it doesn't solve anything and it's really not making me happy so instead of that it's you have to think so what am i going to walk towards every Thing you lose every frustrating situation in your life can also or should I think be turned into a moment of learning and realizing that this opens an opportunity for something new it's not a problem if things don't go the way they go that you would like to, them to go if you are ready to embrace something new so always make sure that if you walk away from something before you do that, you have something to walk towards to. Even though you, you may not have all the details of how that will, what, what that will look like, or not even knowing if that will, if you will succeed. But having something you want, you, you aspire to, and that you can hold on to, is so important to be motivated. And also to have the courage to walk away from certain situations or people. It's much easier if you know where you're heading or where you want to head. It's, it's much easier <laughs> for Noah to build his ark 
knowing that that is going to save his family from the uh, from the disaster that is about to happen, then just following orders and well, okay, you just have to do this, and I have no idea why I'm doing that. I quit with this stupid boat. The sun's been shining all summer, and no, he knew that he was doing this because God wanted him to save mankind and his family, or not mankind, but definitely his family and the animals, etc. So, uh, that maybe that gave him the persistence and this faith that, that, that it was good for something. You sometimes need a lot of courage when your current life changes so much and it's not, you know, it's not going to be, it's not ever going to be the way it was. It, 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 you need that courage and that courage, you can take it from having a goal that attracts you. It's like that carrot in front of the of the donkey, you know, on a stick. And you're like, oh, one more step and I can eat that carrot. I often try to do that trick myself when I'm, for instance, like the other week, the other day. Was this on Wednesday? It was insane. I, I, I had this deadline for, uh, for an episode. It was a fascinating topic. It was a, a village in the Netherlands where... In the 19th century, there was this priest who had studied in Rome and had been ordained in St. John of Lateran. And then he was placed in this poor village in the south of the country. He's like, I'm going to build a copy of St. Peter's Basilica. (laughs) The people must have thought it was crazy because there was nothing there. It was a very poor uh, part of the country. And it was a tiny village. There were just a few people living there. And he was like, I'm going to build something that looks like... St. Peter's Basilica, and I'm just going to do it. And he did it. And so I I went there, uh, I think last week, or I don't remember. Time gets a little bit blurry when I'm so tired. But I filmed on the inside and on the outside. I had a, an entire day. And it was a challenge because the I, it was pretty far away from where I live. So when I arrived, it was already noon. And then, as you know, the sun is setting quite quickly these days. So I only had a window of a couple of hours, and I knew the story beats I needed to hit. Uh, But time was running out, so I was... It was exhausting. I really pitied the person that I was interviewing because, um, you know, my my style of working is very, very efficient. Like, I'm running around and placing the camera. Now we walk towards the camera. Hold on, hold on, go back. A few meters back, yes, let's walk again in the opposite direction. No, 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 no. Like, (laughs) I was, like, definitely the director more than the kind, friendly host with a lot of patience because I knew time was running out. So I was already exhausted of that. And then uh, a few days later, I went even further to film stuff for an episode that I still have to edit. Anyway... I was still recovering from that crazy, insane day of filming, but very happy with the result. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this routine, so I know what I can do. I know what my camera does. And I rarely run into problems anymore if I just follow the main, the main recipe. So routines, I'm there. I have it under control. I know how I make my show, and I know that I can do a good job. What I don't have under control, and which, which I, of course, forgot to calculate, was I may have days that I'm tired. And so from Monday to Tuesday, 
I was exhausted. I couldn't do a thing. It really, I was so tired. So I didn't do any editing. It all came down to that last day, Wednesday. And one day, and normally one day is, is okay. Like the week before, I had edited an episode in nine hours, which is crazy fast. And so you kind of adjust. You're like, okay, so I only need nine hours. I, only, I have one day. I'm going to make it. But then I woke, woke up on Wednesday, and I'm still exhausted and tired, and I, I can't focus on what I do. And it's de- definitely, you know, one of those COVID days. And I'm starting to worry, you know. I know what I have to do. I know the steps. So it's not difficult, but I know that, th- that I'm running out of time. And so kind of halfway through the day, I knew this is going to be an all-nighter. This is definitely... This is going to cost me. I'm, I'm going to pay a huge price for this. And so, it, de- it did become a one-nighter. I finished uploading the thing. Hold on, i got to step away from this pizza delivery guy. Um, actually, that gives me an idea. This is a good Italian... No, am I going to get a pizza? I already ate a pizza yesterday. No, let's not do it. <laughs> so... I knew this was going to be a huge price to pay. And, and I was pushing myself so hard. Because a deadline is a deadline, especially when you're on national TV. You can't just cop out and say, hey, oh, sorry. Well, no, it's going to take another week. No. <laughs> I'll get fired if I do that. But then I needed a carrot. I needed something to get me to the next step. And uh, I really felt like a tired sick donkey that was exhausted at the end of a long trip and I just needed something I needed to bungle something in front of me that would give me the the energy the power to go and so I did it something super simple I bought myself a bar of chocolate <laughs> it's probably because I talked about uh, chocolate in uh, in Father Roderick to the Max which is a show that I uh, record every week for my patrons and I had a long discussion about Hershey's chocolate and why to us Europeans, or at least to me, it's, it's not very good chocolate. And, well, anyway, long story if you want to hear why, then check out Father Roderick to the max. Um, so I bought myself a big bar of chocolate, the kind of chocolate that I never buy for myself. I hardly ever buy anything sweet because I'm just not very much into sweet things. But I was like, I'm going to get the milk chocolate and it was filled with raisins and nuts and it was and hazelnuts and it was so tasty and then every time I finished five minutes of the TV show I would take a bite you hear those bells those are the bells of, of St. Joseph's Church I think I, I didn't know you could hear them all the way here in this uh, shopping center actually I'm walking over this is my third tour around the building of the supermarket because <laughs> I don't want to record inside uh, because I have to wear a mask and everything and I just uh, want to have my hands free. Uh, but uh, <laughs> there is a First Communion uh, celebration later on uh, and uh, the main pastor is, uh, is going to do that. And because of COVID, they can only have a few families. So there's a First Communion Mass today, tonight, and then one tomorrow in the afternoon, which is uh, a lot of 
it's a lot of work, but... And th these have been postponed. The, they, the First Communion was supposed to happen in May, I think. So these poor kids had to wait almost half a year. Their clothes, their, the nice clothes that their parents prepared for them for the First Communion, they probably don't fit in them anymore because at that age they're growing very fast. So anyway, the chocolate really pulled me through the night. And it's super simple. It's a, such a tiny little reward, but the, just the fact that I had something to look forward to. And, and I deliberately took a chocolate bar that you could uh, uh, break up into very small pieces. Because otherwise, of course, I needed more chocolate bars. And there's nothing inherently wrong with eating more chocolate, but <laughs> I, I know that I was in the stores like, I need something to get me through this night. This is going to be a disaster. And um, so I finished the whole thing. And uh, it was aired today. So it, it looked good. It was a little bit wordy in the sense that you know, since I didn't have much time, uh, you know, normally I always try to alternate between interview pieces and then uh, something that happens. It's, you know, TV is show, not tell. And this was definitely tell and show at the same time, what the person is telling. And it works. But I'm like, I'm re-watching that. And I'm thinking, well, I, I did a good job for it. Given the circumstances, I think I, I did pretty well. And... That is, I think, where I have to find my joy. And I know that even though maybe this is not the best thing that I've done, it's definitely, it's definitely good. And I've learned new tricks and I've learned new things. And I, you know, practice makes perfect. But you can't have perfect right away. You need to practice first. And I'm, I'm happy that I can practice on, on national TV at all. So for this next year... I'm, I'm thinking of, well, what can I do to improve my situation? There are a number of things that I don't have under control. There are, there are a few things that I, would, that I would like to happen, but it's out of my hands. And so instead of worrying about that, I'd rather focus on, but what, what am I going to do? Like the practical things. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. There are always things that I can do. That's the advantage of being in this business of making media. The only thing I need is a camera and a microphone. Right? So, it doesn't matter where I am in the world or what has happened to the world. I can always take a camera. Well, except if I'm in, in bed with COVID. But, <laughs> just, like, provided I don't get sick again, uh, th th I, I can do great things things even though these things may not be as big as I, I want them yet I can still make some progress so anyway let's get to the point I'm a little bit wordy I, I apologize uh, <laughs> but I've, I've, I, I was thinking if this TV show stops in a way that would be a massive opportunity for me to continue doing this show but then do it for an even bigger audience or potentially a bigger audience I can, I can do English programs I don't have to film everything in the Netherlands I can I can take my bike and go anywhere just take some time to get there by bike but I can definitely repeat what I do and apply everything I've learned and practiced over the years and and find another audience for this and then I'm thinking well but, but what about the job security which is something that we sometimes idolize you know, I'm, we never like change so if we have a job and that makes gives us security and insurance and everything 
we tend to hold on to it for dear life. Whereas I'm thinking, uh, I know that, I, that I'm good. I know that I can do stuff that other people can't. So why am I so afraid of this, this situation not continuing? I should, you know, look at, well, how can I find a new audience? What can I do to build up new streams of income and find uh, maybe parties that can air my shows or even buy my documentaries? I know that that, that is not far-fetched. There are, I think, very few people that know how to create half an hour of quality documentary TV for a budget of 5,000 euros. I don't think you find that many people who can do that. And so there will be a market for this. Or a market. But, but it's also this idea of, well, I need to be able to maintain this, this amount of income. Like the other day, I was explaining to people that it doesn't matter if I make 10 episodes or 30 episodes. So if if because I'm not making the money myself, the, the what what I also the donations that people give me, they don't go straight to my bank account. They go to Tridio. The people support the mission, and I'm currently the one who is helping to realize this mission. But I'm not the only one. There is also Inga. There are also people that I we hire on uh, on certain occasions to help out if we 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 do something big or we're overwhelmed. And so it doesn't matter how hard I work. I will still make exactly the same as any other priest in the Netherlands. And that's a fact. So getting, you know, making 30, getting a contract for 30 episodes or 10 actually doesn't matter that much. In fact, maybe, and this is something I, I, I'm challenging myself to think about the possibilities of doing less, but creating a greater revenue uh, you know be more well, efficiency can only go to a certain extent so I knew that the budget for the TV show was going to be inflexible for a number of years and there are many reasons why that is the way it is um, and so the, the what I try to do and I've been successful I think is reducing the input while keeping the output or the revenue the same. So with less work and less effort, I'm creating better quality and I'm still making the same. So, but the challenge now is, well, how can I do less and do so that I have more time to do? What if I would have three days to film instead of one day? I could tell totally different stories. Um, And what if the result instead of uh, getting 5,000 and, and of course the 5,000 are all in I need to pay sometimes the editor or there's so many the equipment, all that it's all included in that price but what if I can find a different audience and maybe another broadcaster and, and who is like well, you know just give us two documentaries and we'll, we'll pay you five times as, as what, what, what Dutch TV is paying you I'm just dreaming of course, I don't have those people right now but it's, a, it's an interesting thought that the one situation ending if my TV show comes to an end and they cancel the thing and I'm no longer on TV that doesn't mean it's the end of my work quite on the contrary it could finally free me up to uh, to well to do something different and to 
maybe scales things up in a way that is impossible in the current situation. I don't know. What I do know is that uh, I'm going to work towards producing these uh, shows that I currently only now do for Dutch, a Dutch audience um, for the next season. I'm going to do a couple of more international programs, which I'm going to present in Dutch so I can use them for TV, but also to kind of already start training for hopefully what is going to happen next year, being able to do these, these English documentaries and maybe you know do do few fewer of them but better i don't know or maybe i'll just go for quantity because i i know the quantity game i i can do weekly shows um but if i want to do that and it also means i sh- i should uh be very careful with with other projects and just be happy with the things that i do like the other day you know i'm thinking of something specific and i'm not being clear in how I related to you. I was I'm a huge fan of TikTok as you know. And I'm seeing all these very talented people, young and old, giving so much great content and having such a huge audience and I'm thinking, well, you know what? I can do that too. And should I do that? And I'm like, well, it's like being a successful streamer on Twitch TV, right? Like I I know that people enjoy watching me play video games. But in order to really make a living while doing that and, and scaling up to an audience of hundreds of thousands of followers, you got to put every single bit of your time in that. Plus, the monetization is out of your hands because it's, 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 uh, it's the algorithm that determines how much you make. So is it worth it? If, definitely, I, I admire the, these people that are building up so much of their career on TikTok. And it's, it's tempting for me to do the same because I definitely have um, a number of qualities that would come in handy. But then I'm thinking, well, but if I do that, it means every single week you have to come up with new topics. You have to film it. Whether you feel great or you feel terrible, whether you're sick or not, the algorithm is very punishing. If you don't post new content, if you don't feed the monster, the monster will forget about you. Is that a business that I want to be in? And if I do that, I'm, I'm pinning myself down on this idea that I'm not even sure it will work. And I don't really know what the revenue streams will be. So I don't know if it's sustainable. And it is preventing me from going after the big fish. So I'd rather go for the big fish and forget about the small stuff. Opportunities sometimes are for eternity. That's why I'm so happy that, you know, there's eternal life to look forward to because there's so many things that I don't think I will have time for in this life. I once uh, blamed my seminary professor, seminary president, the, the hat master, the Dumbledore of the seminary. I blamed him for not keeping up with the, the newest movies because I, back then I was already a huge movie fan. And he said, well, Father Roderick, there are only 24 hours in a day or I wasn't father, <laughs> Roderick, I, we're only 24 hours. I need to sleep at least eight of them. And I need to prepare my courses for a university. I have to write my books. But you know what? The first 50 years of my eternity, I'll go sit in the theater with you and you show me all those Star Wars movies that you keep talking about. 
I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> that is a new perspective for me. That is cool. <laughs> like eternal life as in, not as this uh, very passive state of mind that we sometimes, because of theology, kind of imagine ourselves. But it is time with the Creator who already in this life want, makes us want to create with Him. So we're always co-creators. It's the Holy Spirit that works in us. Whenever we, we create something, it's the Holy Spirit that works in us. He, that Holy Spirit is going nowhere. On the contrary, when you're in heaven, you're may, maybe way more open for the Holy Spirit. So why don't, why don't we imagine eternal life as that life where we will continue to create beauty and, and revel in it and enjoy it and show it to each other and be thankful about it. You know, all those things that make us happy. Why would they so suddenly be absent? So there's this idea that I can't let go of, of certain ideas and things that I would like to do because there's always eternity for that stuff. This life is short and you have to make choices and making choices is always... If you walk towards something, you're always also walking away from something else. You can't walk in both directions. Always make sure that the thing you walk towards is something that is more noble and more worth your energy and time and dedication than what you're walking away from. Uh, so, for next year, I, I don't really want to continue, and I think I've already gotten pretty good at this, like stopping this ongoing production uh, of, of ideas and then running after it as if like, like a dog and a, and a bunch of squirrels in the wood um, but just picking one target or one or two targets and going for that and improving that and maximizing the uh, the, the yield of that in all respect you know all domains yield in not just economic yield but but, but also how it affects people and Uh, when I was watching uh, the episode that I edited uh, this past week or on Wednesday all through the night when I rewatched it I was like well this is interesting I love what I did I think that I did a good job filming everything <laughs> I was patting myself on the back good job Father Roderick you really did a good job filming that putting that together in such a short time but at the same time I was I'm, I'm missing something it is interesting it's, it's informative But it didn't really touch me. Um, and maybe be, it is because it is an informative interview. And so I learned a lot. I saw a lot. But I'm actually sometimes more interested in telling stories that really go to the heart of things. And the episode that I will be editing uh, in the next couple of days, and let's hope I have the energy to spread it out over multiple days, is much more of a vocation story. So it's a young priest who works in... Uh, the southwest of the country and I didn't really have a plan when I went to visit him I, I just knew that I wanted to do to film something in his area of the country because that's the idea of the program you know I, I go by bike and discover interesting people in interesting places in the Netherlands so never been to that part of the country and because I didn't have an idea I was actually quite open to whatever the conversation would take us and it turned I think into a really beautiful testimony of a of a, a young priest who's been working as a notary for, for many years, or an accountant, actually. And then suddenly in a mass, an ordination mass of, of the bishop, so the new bishop was ordained, and during the final hymn that was sung, he realized that God was calling him to become a priest. 
that was so powerful to hear that. And then to see how he tries to, to uh, even though it's a very remote area of the Netherlands, where it feels very far from, from anything, basically. It took me two and a half hours by car to get there. Um, it, it's, it's alive, and he's doing so many cool things and trying out so many... And, and the entire episode was... And maybe it's because I'm a priest myself, and it's, it's encouraging to see that a slightly younger generation of priests is having that same fire that drives me and has always been the cause of me following in the footsteps of Jesus. It's enthusiasm. To see that in another person is super encouraging and reminds you, like, this is what my life is, is about. And so I noticed difference. Oh, that episode too is visually very nice, and, uh, but it was much more about the conversation. It really didn't matter where I was. The conversation itself, let me see how long I've been talking here. Almost an hour. Wow, I have good internal timing nowadays. <laughs> Having done these podcasts for so long, it's like, maybe I'm already over the one hour limit. But um, anyway, those are the stories that I really want to tell. But being in this uh, machine, like every week, I need to churn out a new episode. And it has to look good and be, you know, well edited and be entertaining and... Because of the because of the way television works, uh, sometimes makes me less picky maybe about the people. Uh, well, no, the people were fine. That guy was also doing a fantastic job showing me around. But I kind of I like my documentaries to have that personal touch, and but in order to get to the core of of someone's drive and enthusiasm, you sometimes need more time than I give myself. So that's one of the like meta goals that I want I, I want to tell good stories I'm there quality wise but now the next step is going to be I want to be a better interviewer in a certain even be more open to what the Holy Spirit is doing in the in the lives of the people that I encounter and to wrap it all up that was another conversation that I had this week so out of the blue I get this I've been thinking about another ideal uh, I would like to focus more on, or develop, I shouldn't say focus more. Focus is there. But I want to develop more practical ways of um, serving the, the poor and the people in need in, in, as a kind of almost as a, as a mission that flows from mass. I've, I've been doing these international masses and I love doing that. And I know that, that there is, the community that I serve with that is... Um, is, is, is benefiting from it because they give that back to me. But what I would like to do is to build a community around that mass in real life as well. And I'm thinking, well, but if I just develop it as another parish-type mass, it's just going to... I'll be fishing in the same pond as all the other locations and that's not going to add something. So what? how can I make this really unique and useful and at the same time fitting and I'm thinking well you know what there's one community that has always touched me since I studied in Rome and that's Sant'Egidio which is a community of people that pray together have beautiful liturgy but they also always come up with new ideas to serve the poor and to visit them and to be friends with the homeless and the elderly and your children from broken families etc and, and it's such an inspiring uh, 
community and and spirituality and i'm thinking this is this is definitely this is the gospel this is what it's supposed to be so i know a guy who is a deacon a permanent deacon and he was touched in the same way by that community and uh and started implementing that in his parish so i just called him up and i'm like you know what i'm thinking about maybe combining the the uh the charism and the inspiration of Santa Gidea with what I already do with this international mass. And, um, and, and, and I asked him, so how did you do that? What are the formalities? Who do I need to call <laughs> to, uh, to work out this project? So I was thinking in a very kind of um, practical way. So what are the steps? And he said, you know what? I'm so glad to hear that you've been touched just as much as I am. And it's great. And you know what? I think this is the Holy Spirit. He's calling you, and just like he called me. And if he puts that desire in your heart, just follow his lead. It's, it was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> that is so refreshing, actually, to have someone tell you that and, and remind you that that is ultimately what it's all about. It is listen to the Holy Spirit. If you feel like you have to create something, then it's the Holy Spirit that... That, that starts that in you. And so that is the first thing. You, you're, the first step is not organizational. The first step is re- relational. It's following the, the whispers of the Holy Spirit. And if you do that, it can't go wrong, he said. You don't have to worry about, you know, if you do it right or if you contact the right people. Of course I can help you with that. And just come and visit me and we'll talk a little bit about that. But, but make sure that for the next step you listen carefully to what the Holy Spirit is, is telling you to do and then something will happen. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I miss that kind of talk. Even in the church, I kind of miss it. In the church often we talk about goals and pastoral renewal programs. We, we, we always think or often think in a very practical way or in a totally spiritualized way where it's all about the form but, what, but it's, we should think about the church in a relational way. It's a family. And it, so if we develop something, we should do it together with the other family members. And the most important of them are, you know, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And if we bring them into our plans, then, then it's, it is going to result. It's going to yield results. The best results, actually. <laughs> so that was the final uh, thing that I wanted to, to share with you. So, this just was one of these weeks where I need more than an hour to kind of process it. (laughs) But it's good that I'm here at the supermarket. I need to go in, uh, get my groceries and get back to, uh, get back home and sleep some more. So, thank you so much for your time. And uh, say a little prayer for me and for the future that whatever happens... We keep asking ourselves, what can I do to let God play a bigger role in the decisions that I make? And how can I allow him to use me as his instrument so that what I do matters? (laughs) All right. And I'll pray for you, of course. Thanks, and talk to you soon.